You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. What could have been? I deserve the chance. Alan Seiler. Beheadings are on Wednesdays. And Veronica Dashiell. Hi. (laughs) I don't remember anybody saying hi in the episode. Right. I'm sure someone did. They should have. Veronica, we got to introduce you to Bob Newhart's show if you don't know it, because there's the whole Hi Bob game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. She, she knows that from For All Mankind. Yes. Oh, yes. wow. I was, say, I was like, yeah. I know I know Hi Bob. <laughs> All right. Cool. We have some news this week, Alan. Whole, we have some news today. Right. Today was all week. I'm like, eh, there's not really anything to talk about in news this week. And then today, kaboom. So right. the first big thing that came out. We've known for a little while now, like maybe the past week or so, I don't remember, that Paramount, well, we've known for a little while that Paramount is absorbing Showtime and they're going to combine it into one platform. So all of Showtime's content will be be accessible on the Paramount Plus platform, which is great. We've known for a little while, like maybe a week or so, that they plan to raise their rate as soon as that happens. And that's going to take place later this year. Mm. So what we have found out today is that they are doing some cutbacks Mm. as far as the amount of money they are spending on new original programming. Now, here's the thing. Um, It seems like so that they've already they've already canceled a few things both on the Paramount platform and from Showtime. So there's a couple of things that are already not going to be moving forward. It seems like our shows might be okay because uh, from what from what I'm reading, it seems like that they are going to be emphasizing um, successful franchises. Those are the things right. that are going to be uh, getting the limited money that they're being that they're spending. And um the Yellowstone related shows is the example that was cited. Like that's been really successful for them. So there probably won't be any cut to that, but also we know that had there not been new Star Trek, Paramount Plus would never have launched. Right. So we're hoping that that means that and there, there's supposed to be an, an announcement coming soon about the future of the Trek franchise and whatever that means. I don't know. Now, the next announcement that came later in the day, and I saw it literally like an hour and a half ago, is and this is this is a whole new thing. And obviously this was planned, but this is the first that we've heard about it. Discovery season five. The, the, the new news is that it is being pushed back to 2024 instead of happening this year. The other thing is that season five is its final season. Mm-hmm. So we have Picard ending. Now we have discovery ending next year. Um, and that to me sounds like they are kind of spreading out the stuff that they've already spent money on 
to kind of like pad out, you know, whatever they're, whatever they're doing for their budget for the next couple of years. So no more discovery after next year. That's, yeah. that's an interesting change. Yeah. I was a little surprised that for one, I feel like discovery, I mean, they just got into their current status quo this past year. Yeah. I feel like discovery had several more years in it. I thought um, so too. Yeah. But also I was a little surprised that knowing that Picard's wrapping up, that they're going to wrap discovery up as well. I'm, yeah, I mean, it's always been kind of expected that as Paramount Plus grows and grows in its subscriber base, that it wouldn't just be wall-to-wall Star Trek all year, every year. You know, I mean, I, I kind of figured be. that as they get more like they've got that, that Sylvester Stallone series and they've got the Yellowstone series, it's not mm-hmm. just Star Trek anymore. Yeah. Maybe they're going to someone somewhere's done the math. How many Star Treks do we need before the Star Trek people all of them. unsubscribe? <laughs> I know why well, you well, and I know that, but. You know. and, and that's the interesting thing too, is that they've, you know, they've built this, this base with all these new Star Trek shows mm-hmm. and, you know, they're, they're kind of in money trouble situations. I don't know how dire that is, but the, the rate hike that's coming with Showtime, I don't know exactly what that hike means. I don't know exactly how much it's going up. I think it's eleven ninety nine for the full no ad package. So, you know, I mean, if they're going to do that and they're going to be showing less Trek, I think that that's a danger in a lot. Some of us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And just, just subscribing during Star Trek season. Exactly. Absolutely. And I, I completely agree with that. You know, they, they, they always say, and it's such a cliche, but they always talk about show business. And I have people yep. every now and then you, you guys may have seen our book. I'll post something online about, you know, somebody raising price, like you mentioned, Alan, or something like that. And I'll always get a couple of people to go, well, that's just the reality of the business world. Doesn't mean you have to like it. And it kind of that's sucks true. that, you know, it kind of sucks. That I remember Mundas really didn't want to do Star Trek. Now they've done Star Trek and they love it. And we've all paid for it. And then once you use it, it's kind of like, well, let's just move on to something else. It is what it is, but doesn't mean we got to like it. That's yeah. true. And now and also... Know- Go ahead. I was going to say, they may also surprise us and announce two new shows this summer. That's yeah. exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. Because you know that they they have other things that have been in the works for a, a little while now. We know yeah. that there is a Starfleet Academy show, and we've been theorizing that that was going to be a Mary Wiseman-led right. show because <laughs> Tilly had left Discovery to go to the Academy. So that seems with discovery ending, that seems like the most natural pickup from that. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the section 31 show has been in talks for a hundred years. Right. <laughs> and then yeah, Michelle but- Yo keeps winning big awards. So her, 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 yeah. her rate gets hiked every time. Right. Yep. But then right now, everybody involved with Star Trek Picard is talking about how they, they would love to see it continue on, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. as a uh, spinoffs or just with that production yes. team and, yeah, and, and the next next generation people keep saying. Everybody is saying that, including Terry Metalis. Right. And that, I mean, when Terry, I mean, if Marina Serda says it, well, that just means I'm an actor and I love this character and I love the people I work with. I want to keep doing it. If Terry Metalis says it, that <laughs> yeah. means I work, I run this show and I want it to continue. So mm-hmm. that, that says something. Right. So that's the big, oh, hang on. Look at one comment about this. Tiger Blade 2002 says, 
Now, does that mean we'll be getting new Star Trek projects or we'll only be watching what has been done and that's that? Well, that's that we don't know. Yeah. Um, we should be for the article I read says that we, there should be something said soon. And if even if not, we know that we'll be getting information in April. Mm-hmm. You know, well, we assume because right. they always <laughs> do a big thing in April. Yeah. For my birthday. Exactly. <laughs> right. That's the whole reason behind it. <laughs> All right. So that's the news. Um, All right. Yeah. Cutbacks on production costs and Star Trek Discovery ending with season five. Yeah. Some big that mean, you know what that means? No more OO and Detmer. Maybe that not. Maybe my, not. That breaks my heart. Right. They oh, better do something so. good with them too in the next season <laughs> before they write them off. All right. Sorry. Move you on. Know, the, the, the post-mortem on Discovery, if it is canceled, will be a very fascinating thing. The show that brought yeah. back Star Trek, that launched the new network, yeah. was the one that killed off kind of early, went back when they used to do seven seasons for a series except for Enterprise. It'll be a very interesting mm-hmm. discussion exactly. about what Discovery was, what it represented. And the other yeah. thing about that is that season five, we already know, is only going to be 10 episodes. So already oh. it's a reduced number. It was 15 the first season, 13 the others, and it's going to be 10 next year. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I didn't know that, that means only 10 more chances for them to give me a good OO and Detmer episode. <laughs> right. Wow. wow. All right. Keith, do we have some This Week in Trek this week? Yeah, I got a couple of things that I thought were, were kind of uh, relevant here. Um, there was a birthday I felt was absolutely relevant because we've been talking. You guys talked about the animated series recently, and I didn't get to participate in that. And I know every time you talk about the anime series, one of the things people talk about is the jokes about how James Duhon does like what every alien voice there is. And when he does it, the other voices are done by Michelle Nichols. So it's kind of funny. But um, the Star Trek actress whose birthday was uh, 27th February, 1937, speaking of voices, and that is Barbara Babcock. Mm. Nice. And I don't know if you all remember that she did several, well, she did a couple of roles on the original series, but she also did a lot of voices on the original series. And I think Charles and Alan, you probably know that she did, of course, two roles. She was Felia, Felina, Felina, in the the often derided Plato stepchildren. Right. And she also did a lot of voices in the original series, she was the voice of Trelane's mother in Esquire Gothos, the two alien floating lights that were like, no Trelane, no Trelane, and stop that nonsense. You won't be able to make any more planets. She was also, I thought this was really funny, in Assignment Earth, the one that introduced Gary Seven. She was the voice of the kind of sarcastic, smarmy, beta five computer that kept talking back to Gary Seven. But she was also, get this, Veronica, she was the voice of Isis the Cat. <laughs> so all that that was Barbara Bobcat doing Babcock doing the cat. Barbara Bobcat? But ba- ba- Babcock doing there the cat. You go. Okay. <laughs> she also was famously, there were two other voices she did. She was um the voice of the Tholian and the Tholian web with a little voice of modification. And she was the voice of the Zatarians in the lights of Zatar. Hmm. And Matt Sweatman, this is for you. The most important thing that she did was she was Mia 3 and Taste of Armageddon. There you go. 
Yeah, great actress. And one more birthday that I had to do because I thought it was relevant, and that is on 2nd of March, 1986, one Ethan Peck was born. Oh, yay. All right. Well, here's um, let me get a couple of comments about the news before we while well, he, he fixes okay. that crazy stuff. Going in and out. Michael okay. Phillips says one article I read said that the Section 31 show might become a miniseries or a film because of Michelle Yeoh's limited availability. Yeah, I saw that, too. And that makes absolute sense. Also, because of her paycheck. Right. I agree and, with that, Michael. Yeah. And Eric Watts says canceling. Discovery might very well be the reduction in production costs we heard about. That's possible. Personally, mm. I think they're just clearing space for a post-Picard TNG sequel series, and that's very possible as well. well um, I mean, it's yeah, and we're gonna actually we're gonna talk a little bit about that in our uh, review when we get into the episode review. So, oh, wait, Elaine says Barbara Luna's birthday is today. She was in Mirror Mirror. That's right. That is right. March 2nd, Absolutely. 1930. And also, you know who else's birthday is today? 1949, March 2nd, one Gates McFadden was born. Well, now that's that's an important and, one for our discussion yeah. tonight. And Ethan Peck. So I thought that was pretty good. March the 3rd, 1920, Scotty, one James Doohan was born. Nice. Which I thought, and then the last thing I wanted to say, and this was really fascinating, is on the 4th of March, 1967, the first release of TV Guide with Star Trek on the cover appeared for the week of March 4th through 10th. Very cool. Had, yeah, had William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy on it, and that was on March the 4th, 1967. And, and I, boy, think, oh boy. I think everybody knows that image. Yes. You know, I think that is yeah. one of, first of all, it's one of the most iconic covers of TV guide, but it's also mm-hmm. one of those, one of those images that gets referenced a lot. And, and I think, yeah. I mean, I can picture it right now in my head and I'm sure most people can. Me too. And I'm, I am just old enough to remember even back then how I grew up. Uh, I don't remember that cause I was too young, but I am old enough to remember the time with that, science fiction show with that dude with the pointed ears on the cover of something like TV guide was still kind of like, what in the world is this nowadays? Not so much back then. Definitely weird. Yeah. All right. So we are going to take a quick break. If you're listening on our podcast, we're going to take a quick break and do a little ad for one of the other shows on our network. Stick around. We'll be right back in 30 seconds. In the mood to listen to some geeky conversations? Feel like the internet isn't the best place for an in-depth, respectful exchange of ideas? Then head on down to the 42Cast. It's a weekly show that covers a new geeky topic in comics, TV, movies, literature, or video games every week. We can be informative. Back in my day, kids, Pluto was a planet, so it's gonna stay a planet. (laughs) Irreverent. You learn so much from the X-Men. I mean, really. That Wolverine is the most important character no matter what. (laughs) Strange. It's like, you know, Grodd if he went into theology or something. Right? Or controversial. I believe and I will swear to my dying day that the Marvel Cinematic Universe began with Howard the Duck. Find us on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, 42cast.com, or ESOPodcast.com. It's the 42cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. 
<laughs> and we are here to talk about this week's episode of Star Trek Picard, 17 seconds. So from here on out, we are in spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen the episode, go watch it and then listen to all of our crazy yammerings. Um, so here we go. 17 seconds. And that's how long our show is going to be tonight. (laughs) So Keith, what did you think of the episode? I thought it was really good. It was definitely wall to wall action, but it also had some interesting uh, character beats, some dramatic beats. I thought it was fascinating that they did something that Roddenberry never wanted them to do, which is they had personality conflict between Riker and Picard. Boy, boy, that wild. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, this isn't this ain't your daddy's Star Trek no more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought it was good. I thought it was um it was oh boy, the reveals at the end were just fascinating. It 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 as always it looked good, it flowed well, it was yeah. some good dramatic moments. I loved and I know I've been talking about this every single week, and again I said I have some personal feelings about this because of my background being adopted and so forth. I love the way Picard talked to Beverly. And he was literally heartbroken, was like, you you owed me a chance. You know, basically, you owed me a chance to fail. You owed me a chance to say no. You owed me a chance to be a better man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like when he said, when she said, basically, you know, all you ever did was talk about how you didn't want to be your father. And he's like, how dare you? You know, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> I don't have kids, but everybody says, don't come with a manual to be a parent. Right. But you can understand her position, though. Hmm. And, you know, I mean, she has good points. You didn't want to be a father. You are always under fire. And (laughs) I did not want our kid to have a target on his back. Now, did she make the right decision to not tell him? Probably not. However, you can understand the the decision that she came to. Yeah, I definitely disagree with her decision. But once she put it like that, I understand why she got there. Because what had happened was she was coming from a place of fear. Yeah. And... I guess I hadn't really thought about how he must have a whole bunch of enemies. You know, even yeah. more do we think about it just on the show. Because so many of the episodes we see are, you know, some space monster of the day or some anomaly or just <laughs> a, a generic empire. But he must have a lot more kind of personalized enemies that he made over all the years. So I could I could kind of yeah. see that. I thought it was so, a great moment. Yeah. And I was I was telling you earlier that mm-hmm. I sometimes uh, text Charles commentary when I'm watching the episode because he watched Mm -hmm. it hours before I did. And that was the scene that made me do it this week because I thought that scene was some of the best character moments for both of those characters that we have seen since day one of next gen. I was absolutely blown away by that scene. So when I watched it for the second time, I clocked it. That scene Mm -hmm. was a full five minutes no it, it cuts away to like the bridge scene and then it comes mm-hmm. back and they do like another 90 seconds, a little over 90 seconds of, of the, the wrap up of that. So they spend, I mean, of course, this is a long episode. It was 56 minutes, but they spend a full almost seven minutes just on those two characters coming to terms with the actions that were that were taken 20 years ago. And I loved it. I thought it was so well written and I thought the acting was brilliant. I did too. And I also thought it was good because, uh, you know, I don't don't think, I I don't know. I know most of us didn't love the first two seasons of Picard. I certainly didn't. But you know what I also liked about it was when he said, I definitely know now I would not have been my father. 
I yeah. thought that all the emotional stuff, whether we liked how it was handled or not, especially season two with Picard and his past, yeah. Yeah. it now actually kind of bears fruit in these discussions with Beverly. Yeah, totally. You know? And I love that because he's like, I've been carrying all this stuff around and maybe if I'd had a child to get basically to be my better self for sooner, I would have reached her sooner. Because he basically said, I could have gotten here 20 years sooner had you told me I had a son. <laughs> right. Man, <laughs> I, I, just, I thought that was the, I mean, this was an, an episode that was like, it was like this long string of highlights. Yes. And that may have been the highlight of the whole episode. I, I just Absolutely. thought it was great. Um, let me get a couple of comments. Matt Sweatman okay. says that scene between Gates and Patrick was amazing, but a bit hard for uh, a bit hard to watch for mm. us old school TNG fans. Some hard truths. Agreed. Um, and related to that, Vandy Beth. Hey, Vandy Beth says, hey, I haven't Vandy done Beth. the math, but I know someone must have. How old is Jack? Apparently he's 20 years old. Even though he's played by a like a what thirty five year old dude, yeah. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, they're saying that that stuff happened twenty years ago. I mean, I'm sure that's a round number, and it's not exact, you know. But yeah, I think we. It. I think we calculated for one thing. Somebody said briefly, best case, he's twenty three, but that's yeah. still extremely young, and so. Yeah. I don't even know if he, well, Beverly said he went to school in London. So I'm trying to figure out, did he get his medical training in medical school? Did he, is he a genius? Yeah. Or did he just learn it all from her? Right, exactly. And, you know, what's funny is that, you know, the, the big question all of last week was, now, if he didn't have a father this whole time, where did he get that accent from? Oh, and, yes. And, you know, people were saying, well, he had to go to somewhere because accents aren't genetic. And this week she said, oh, he went to school in London and picked it up there and never got over it. Maybe it's maybe it's in his DNA. And I was like, Beverly, you were just feeding the trolls. <laughs> I know. That was so funny. I did. I have to say I laughed out loud when she said that. I did, too. And then I thought about that when she said that. I thought, damn, if I be Picard, I'd be more pissed. He was literally across the English Channel from Picard for years. Mm. Yeah. Literally hop, skip and a jump from Picard. Right. Michael Phillips says he does look a little older than 20. He's got lines on his forehead. Oh, speaking of lines <laughs> on your forehead, that let's let's go let's talk about that scene um years earlier when they're in the bar, Riker and, and Picard are in the bar, and mm. they're toasting the birth of Thaddeus. And they do the the digital de-aging of them both. Yeah. Dude, that was fantastic. I thought it was pretty good too. I looked at it and obviously you could tell they're the age, but I thought they did a really good job with that. Yeah. Matt um, says I was right about his accent. <laughs> let's see. Eric says, we don't know how hey, much Eric. time passed between the end of season two and season three. That's true. That's true. We don't know. But yeah, so, in, di in yeah. dialogue, they use, they kept using the number 20. 20, right. And in, in so. number of years. So, uh, let's see. Yeah. Elaine says, uh, but the didn't de-age their hands. Oh, they didn't de-age their hands. I missed that. I did too. I missed that. That's, so <laughs> That's true. And I, now I'm yeah. thinking of it, that, that scene where, you know, he put his hands on. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, there's only right. so much you can do. Come on. They are right. cutting back on production costs. Come on, give them a break. <laughs> yeah. So Eric, yeah, I think uh, like Alan said, they keep saying 20, they don't even say 25, which you would start saying when you hit that. So He's definitely early 20s, like we said, maybe 22 at most, something like yeah. that. Um, yeah. I just, I, I definitely like to know about more about the backstory of why Beverly left Starfleet and took him as a, 
Oh, Basically, yeah. is a free agent, you know, a free agent medical person. That's right. Why did she not feel she could still do that within the ages of Starfleet? I find mm -hmm. that fascinating too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to finding that out. That's yeah, going to be an interesting same. story. Right. Um, so anyway, so back to the bar scene. I thought it was really, really cool. I loved mm -hmm. the the warmness and the humor between the two of them. You yeah. know, like with right uh, Picard pulling Riker's leg, making the toast and. You know, oh, it was so sweet. And then we finally get our first Troy scene. Yay. Love it. Marina has said that she is in this season a lot. So, okay. so we've, and I really enjoy the way that they have sort of introduced every character kind of piecemeal, you know? Okay. So a couple of comments. Um, oh. Here's, uh, I was trying to see where we went back to. Eric Watt says, it's a shame they couldn't have cleaned up Picard's voice a little bit in the bar scene with Riker. I, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. But I, I did I did pick up on that as well. Elaine says, I just want to know what Wesley thinks. Does he even know about his brother? That's a very good point. Well, he's a traveler now, so he, he knows yeah. everything. He knows everything that's happened so. in the universe. <laughs> yeah. This is the guy who said what he laughed one time and caused some kind of weird interstellar incident or something weird. So I agree with you. I think he knows he has a brother. And also, but you know, I think that's a good point because um, one of the things I find is Picard's kind of dislike and discomfort around children got better over the years with his father-son relationship with Wesley. Um, yeah. So I'd be very curious to see what Wesley thinks about that. You back, Charles? I think so. Can you hear us? All right. I can hear you right. here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the oh, dog got tangled in the cables and everything was a mess. Oh, precious ah. little puppy dog. So Not right we, were, we were just discussing Elaine's comment about what does Wesley think about his brother? Does he know he has a brother? I don't know. It sounds like uh, Beverly hasn't heard from him in a long time. It does sound that way. So I don't know. Uh, you know, he's off traveling. He ain't got time. I, I assume Wesley's got to be popping in, checking on Beverly, because, again, he can travel through time and space. He's got to be looking in on her. You know, you just the same. Maybe. Okay. You if so, it doesn't sound like he said hello. Right. Yeah. You know, which exactly. makes no sense, given how he can just jump around anytime he wants. I don't I don't get right. that. And uh, we were just also talking, guys, about the. um the scene that Alan and I were saying was so wonderful between Picard and Beverly where his heartbreak and his anger and mm -hmm. everything about not telling him about his son came out. Yeah. And what did y'all think about that? That that was an incredible scene. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about last week, they're going to have to justify the fact that she's not told Picard for 20 mm -hmm. years that he has a son. Yeah. I mean, I missed what you guys were saying, but did you buy it? No. No, <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I do I, buy it because I, I think, I, even if you don't agree with her decision, you can understand that she had reasons for her decision. Right. Yeah. I understand that. I don't agree with like, I, yeah, I want to back up because the way Alan said it was, I 100% get it. I don't agree with it, but I do get it. It's not yeah. like she was just some selfish person. Like, well, whatever. Right. Uh, and also what we were saying too, Charles is like, you know, we think about the cards, his career, and it's usually big things like, you know, um, the well, not the demand, the Borg and space anomalies and stuff like that. But yeah. he may have a whole bunch of personal enemies he's made over the years. So mm -hmm. she may be worried more about his personal enemies than like the Borg coming after him and his son or something weird like that. So yeah. I, I do get her reasons. I don't agree with her reason, but I but I do get her reason. 
Yeah, but she's saying acting like him being Picard's son is too dangerous. Right. And then they went out to the fringes to the worlds of Federation's <laughs> Forgotten. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like Thank they were you. in the suburbs trying to avoid danger, you know. But but maybe yeah. they maybe they did that later in his life. I mean, he went to school in London, and True. as Keith was saying, he must he may have gotten you know an advanced degree at some point. We mm. we think he's early 20s so he can't be out of school for that long so he must have gotten right. his medical knowledge from her so we don't know how long she and he were traveling together right you know it's not i don't think it's not like they were out for his entire life um but he's got quite a reputation out there uh, right really? what the, right I'm doing? Yeah. yeah 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 well you know he was what he was he was doing weapons uh, arms dealing which kind of sucks for a medical doctor so right. yeah, I'm I'm curious as to what he was uh what he did. Also, guys, we talked about the whole accent thing, the <laughs> British accent for the Sucker Jack. <laughs> I like that right. they, they made that joke. The same thing that we joked about on the show. Exactly. In his DNA. <laughs> All right, let me get a backlog of comments. Okay. All Vandy right. Best says that she did the hard work on our behalf, and Ed Spilliers has said that Jack is supposed to be 23 or 24. 23 is what I had thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense. Okay. Tiger Blade 2002 says, I haven't seen the episode. What are you doing watching this if you haven't seen the episode? We're going to spoil it. <laughs> yes, big time. But I do appreciate the fresh injection injection of conflict into Trek. Moreover, I think the industry has matured enough to appreciate the use of drama in science fiction. Mm. Yeah. Very good so, comment. We talked about that earlier where we love the we love the tension and the conflict between Picard and Riker. One of those things that... Well, we're going to get more into that. <laughs> Yeah, that Jane Ottenberry yeah. definitely didn't want them to have in TNG because they just, you know, as everybody knows, that's why so many of us gravitated to, to uh, Deep Space Nine because they were allowed to have conflicts and Roddenberry thought by then you wouldn't have conflicts. So the way Riker and Picard went at it was fascinating. And in, in a way, they were both kind of right. You know, it wasn't it wasn't Kirk Cowboy versus somebody else. Riker made a very good point. This ship can't take the, the, the strike. Let's get yeah. out of here. And then Picard's like, you need to take it to him. But Riker's like, but you may die in the standoff. So they both have yeah. points. Well, and mm -hmm. that's what makes good drama. Yeah. Right. When when both parties have valid points. Mm -hmm. It's just those valid points don't line up with each other. And anyway, right. um, comments. So um, let's see. Matt Sweatman says, I can picture Chuck in the Jeffries tube trying to fix their audio. <laughs> like those iconic things. Borgus Frat. <laughs> with electrical stuff exactly arcing all like around that. him. Andy Beth wonders if Charles and Veronica were trying to mic their dog. We're trying to unmic the dog. Unmic. <laughs> um, Michael Phillips says maybe Wesley will rush in at the last minute and save the day with his superpowers. That he's got to show up. A, yeah, I, I hope he does. By the end, he's got to appear. He, he's got to. And I, mean, I know they had him in last season, but. No, he'll he'll surely he has be, to be here. Hopefully, um, he won't spoil it on his own in the middle of the day when it on Facebook. this time. Right? <laughs> Maybe he learned his lesson. Tiger Blade two thousand two says there were a lot of dramatic moments throughout Star Trek that have been overlooked. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Rarely as many uh, many as those kind of pointed conflicts between people uh, on the TNG crew, at least. Um, right. Hey, Veronica, I thought it was interesting. You talked about, uh, was it Will Wheaton spoiling stuff? Um, evidently, the biggest spoiler by his own admission is Jonathan Frakes. And I've oh. seen a couple of, yeah, I've seen a couple of interviews where they would ask him questions. He's like, 
oh, I need to be careful because the studio is going to come after me because they get really mad about me because I have a tendency to spoil stuff. So (laughs) (laughs) that is so funny. Um, Did you guys... Did you guys already talk about the fact that he directed this one? No, I was just no. about to bring that up, actually. So perfect timing. Go for it. Okay. That may have contributed to what a good, a well-paced well yeah. show this was. That may have mm-hmm. direct. I, I saw at least one person online say that this may be his crowning achievement with his work with Star Trek, between wow. the, the acting and the directing. I mean, um, that's the thing. He was in this episode a lot. Yeah. Yes. And, and, I mean, it's not to the level of Avery Brooks directing – you know, whatever that one in the what's far beyond the stars. Thank you. Yeah. You know, when, when he is in every single scene, this right. one, he's still, you know, uh, uh, Frank's is still in an awful lot of that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a tough job to direct from the position of an actor, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was super impressed. And with his performance and with the direction, I thought it was just amazing. And he's had a lot less practice at acting over the last couple of decades because yeah. yeah. he's been primarily, I mean, primarily directing and not acting. Yeah. So the fact that he's, I mean, he's yeah. playing this Be part right back, beautifully guys. on camera, but then also directing. I, I thought Riker was fantastic throughout this. I love the fact that he was given command. Yes. I loved that. It went, he, and they took that from them being old buddies in the bar at the beginning of the episode in the flashback yes. all the way to the conflict. Yes. Uh, over the course of this one episode. And I thought that was I phenomenal. I did too. And, I totally agree with you. And I loved, I mean, you've got that because we know the backstory that, I mean, Picard is his mentor. He was his right-hand man for 15 years. And at first it's kind of fun that now he's giving Picard orders. Yeah. But then when Picard starts disagreeing, it, that, that tension sort of escalates over the course of the episode. Exactly. Yeah. And that was so well, I mean, they, they played it so well because mm-hmm. it starts out with them. Hey, we send out a, a, a photon thingy and then fire on it and then boom. And then he's like, well, thanks Picard. And Picard says, I think it's time that you call me number call one. Me. So yeah, they, play, they play that sort of like a playful uh, way of addressing that, that, mm-hmm. that thing where he Riker is now in command and and Picard is sort of in the position of second fiddle, and they play it like that up all the way through mm-hmm. this heavy disagreement where Riker right. says, I need you to get off my bridge because you have just killed all of us. Wow. Holy that, shit, that was good. That was amazing. And Picard is sort of in the role of the, the busybody admiral who's on the ship mm-hmm. disagreeing <laughs> with the captain, which is an old Star Trek trope. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. I loved this episode. Yeah. So much. Okay. And again, I have to say, I said before last week, Jonathan Frakes is really a charming guy. Mm-hmm. And I love the way, like what you guys are saying, I love the way he's 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 kind of riding that line between, like you said, there's this ease and humor, and he's this charming Riker with Picard. And then he becomes a captain in a war situation. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he, like you said, well, he said, get off the bridge. I was stunned. Yeah. And Picard's like, okay. He just gets up and leaves. Yeah, and it's a bit heightened. It's a bit like when when Picard yes. said the similar thing to Worf in First Contact. You know, right. it's a the, the, exactly. it's sort of the movie style where yeah. everything's a little bit higher than it would be on a show. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Sweatman says that Frakes on the Ready Room seemed very pleased with this season in general. I really got a vibe from him that he really doesn't think this season is it for the gang. Wow. I mean, that, okay. that continues to be the talk. Right. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, if, if they do more, I'm in. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and speaking of the whole battle, I, I think I mentioned this. I've I've seen this thing like in in magic cartoons, like the recent. I've been watching the recent He Man cartoon, and the sorceress does that thing. But I am loving the scientific thing, which makes sense and is tactically amazing. Is you shoot at someone, and that portal shows up. <laughs> And the weapons come right back at you. You try okay. to get away, a portal comes up, and you end up right back uh, next to the... I love that portal weapon. That is yeah. so cool. Okay, you know what? All I thought... And no, on, the, on the second time I watched it, the first time mm-hmm. I was like 100% like sucked into the episode. The second time I watched it, I was like, somebody been watching some Roadrunner cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Where he had the big yeah, he, black circle yes. and he would put it on the thing and it would like be a hole all of a sudden. Yes. So they need to paint a tunnel. <laughs> so she crashes into it. We figured it out. <laughs> exactly. But you know, oh in, in Star Trek, in the Star Trek world, that's probably the coolest weapon I've seen introduced since the yeah. weapons that the Breen had in Deep Space mm. Nine. That were yeah. really cool. And I, especially given that they were doing so much familiar already mm-hmm. with the nebula exactly. and the hiding and the warship. We keep saying it's, it's kind of like Nemesis. It's kind of like 2009. Right. It's kind of like, but then, but then you bring in, yeah. you know, this, this really cool visual thing. that's yes. something that a Starfleet crew's never faced before. Right. That's genuinely terrifying. Like, Oh crap, we can't get away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Oh crap. Our own, he said fire everything and they had four, four photon torpedoes so i don't know what he's planning to fight with but our four our four torpedoes about to hit us instead <laughs> and apparently that's the only four we had i can see why he didn't want to fight right yeah i mean that makes sense oh man yeah what did y'all think about speaking of fighting what did y'all think about shaw putting the responsibility of the ship on Riker when he's basically got his got got the you know what knock right yeah. Great move. Yeah. Forget the ego. Yeah. I yeah. just, I could feel something broke inside me. You're in command. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? His first officer had been restrained. She was in, um, in her quarters under house arrest, right. lame house arrest. I'm going to say, as right. it turns yes. out, but yeah. she had been, she had already been pulled from her position. So there wasn't anybody else he could put it on to. You have a, yeah. a ranking captain right there. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah. a former Titan captain. And yeah. a former, that's true. A yeah. former Titan, I didn't think about that. And presumably he's still, like Picard's retired, I think, because they've been, <laughs> his his Starfleet status has changed over the course of these three seasons. But, right. um, you know, Riker's in uniform. He, we know that he could be called to active duty. He, we did right. saw that in season one. So it, right. it, it made sense. And forget about the fact that you're on my nerves and you got us into this. Get us out of it. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> okay. Let me let me get this comment from Michael before I okay. jump onto that. Um, he did not like that conflict. It didn't make sense for a captain to say, you've killed us all in front of the crew. It's very demoralizing. Mm-hmm. I, that makes sense. That's yeah. a very good observation. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sort of what I was talking about with all the emotions being heightened, right. sort of in the movie exactly. style. Because Picard and Riker are both too experienced to be arguing on the bridge this whole episode. Right. You know? Like they 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 know better. This ain't their first rodeo, <laughs> you know, and they know each other very well. So, but yeah, I, I I agree. But I think I mean that's it was it was a, a very emotional moment though, right? And Sweatman says that he he felt that um, Shaw knew that he was seriously injured. Yeah, and that's what it was. Yeah. He he knew that he was in trouble, and and it wasn't it it wasn't just a here's an experienced captain. Let me give the reins to him. It was you 
butthead, you're the one that got us into this. So effing do something about it. And I may lose consciousness soon. So exactly. I got to do something right now. <laughs> so did exactly. we already talk about Wharf? Did I miss the Wharf talk? We haven't got to Wharf yet. No. Let's we do that now. Because I've been waiting for Wharf since I was like a kid. You know what I mean? Wharf's back. Wharf was amazing. A lot of times Wharf <laughs> would come back in the next gen movies and they just ignore all the character development they're doing on DS9. Yeah. Right. And they, he would just be serious Wharf again. Right. Wharf was funny. Wharf was awesome. Uh, I want a Wharf and Raffy buddy cop spinoff. If yes. they want to replace yeah, Discovery well with that, together. I will watch it. They are so great together. I they love will. the whole Wharf thing. They were and, phenomenal together. And Charles, yeah. I love it because I wrote down what he yeah, he did the whole thing. He said, she said, who are you? I am Worf, son of Moog of the House of Martok, yes. son of Sergei of the House of Roshinko, Bane of the Duras, Slayer of Galrod. Dude! <laughs> uh, you missed the best part. I've made some chamomile tea. Do you take yes. it? Yes! <laughs> Sugar? Like all in one sentence. Like, yeah. It was just part of Dude. his introduction. Yeah. yeah. Their relationship was so... I mean, it was quick. They They bonded quickly. But I thought they had such chemistry together. And just, yeah, the, you know, when they're in the interrogation and she is going all like nut job on the guy and Worf is like trying to be calm and, you know, let it go back. And then he's like, you know, perspective has changed over the years. And she's like, oh, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> they made Worf the good cop and the good cop. Right. Buddy cop. <laughs> if you're doing a buddy cop movie, you don't expect Worf to be the good cop. Right. Man, I but loved it. But you know what's so interesting? You can tell Lisa how Michael Doran is playing it, or at least how I'm interpreting it. You can tell Worf is not like Kane from Kung Fu. You can tell that he's kind of talking himself every day into, okay, Worf, don't kill anybody. Don't kill anybody. You can tell it's <laughs> right underneath the surface. All this is really peaceful. He's going to shove a sword up your butt. I do not do that anymore. Exactly. <laughs> you may keep your fingernails. <laughs> you may keep your fingernails. <laughs> um, before we move from that scene in, into where that's all leading to uh, Eric Watts says, even if seven had been on the bridge on duty as first officer transferring command to Riker was absolutely the right thing to do, except that Riker was on that ship intentionally to steal a shuttle and to pull the wool over Shaw's eyes and to do the thing that he wanted to do against regulations. Yeah. So there you go. But I mean, given the situation, given the situation, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Matt Sweat says, I really, really like confident, dangerous Worf. He's really left that early TNG Worf that always got his butt handed to him behind. Agreed. He was yeah. commanding and in charge and and powerful. Oh, and working like, on himself. And working on himself. <laughs> this is like best Worf ever. Yeah. yeah. It's like he's funny, but he's still awesome. Yeah. Uh Every line that he had is going to be a quotable line. Yeah. 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 I think he's more dangerous than ever. Mm. Sorry. Matt Sweatman also says, I really liked this take on Worf. He's left behind the character who used to constantly get his. Oh, wait. He's just saying the same thing. You can say that again, Matt. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He already did. And Michael Phillips chimes in with Rafi and Worf's story was again, my favorite part of the episode. And the T line was my favorite line. That was so good. Yes. <laughs> Which T line though? Oh, I think my chamomile tea is coming back up was great. <laughs> how about, how about of... you're over here dressing a Klingon warrior. This is casual. 
<laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Keith. I was gonna say. I also think it's kind of cool that they have these uh, these plot lines running where Picard and Riker and Seven are are uh, facing the danger out there, and now Worf and Raffi are trying to get to the root of what's going on. The portal weapons, the cause, and like they're saying, what could be more dangerous and important than a portal weapon? If the portal weapon or the attack right. was a distraction, so I like the fact that they're back here trying to figure out what's going on. And I am still very curious how Jordy is going to be introduced. Me too, and I'm ready for him. I'm yes. ready for. Well, first I got to get I got to get Troy. I mean, we've had yeah. one little scene with her, but we haven't got her integrated into the yeah. the, the current plot yet. And so right. I need that. But I'm ready for Jordy, and, and I'm really really loving his daughter. Yeah. I'm, I also yeah. felt like this Troy was more Marina Sirtis than Troy. Yeah. Totally. Yes, totally. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like Troy would not have been freaking out quite that much with well, the first kid. She was playing a sitcom wife, essentially. Yes, basically like, <laughs> in her, in her one little scene. But I mean, the, yeah. eventually they're going to have to get to a port, so I expect that's where Jordy's going to be when they yeah. when they this, this ship can't just keep flying around having adventures for seven more episodes. Well, There's not and much dip left. And you know the the closing credits always talk about the shipyard, and that's where he is, and they mm-hmm. show that. The Voyager is there, Enterprise 1701A, a ship called the Pioneer is there. So, yeah, maybe that's where they get their next ship is from the, the museum. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure we're getting yeah. – I'm, I'm sure that's how he's being integrated. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be the way that he right. brings gets brought into it. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. I, I made a note when they had the reveals toward the end where people's faces kept shaking and that dude started melting <laughs> and, and Worf made his statement – I made a note was, man, how sad that Renee Abersion was not alive because yeah. I bet they would have found a way to put him in here because that's where Odo still is, is with the great link mm-hmm. trying to keep the uh, founders from like wanting to go take over the galaxy again. It would have been nice yeah. if we could have had a cameo with him, but I, I, I like that reference to him by war. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we got changelings. Did you guys talk about changelings already? We have. No. No, we haven't got there. <sighs> Let's get there. Yes. Well, and, yeah, and, and that's why I was like, I wanted to get comments before we got okay, go into ahead. the thing where, no, 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 that's what I was saying. Okay. Before okay. we got into the thing that the scene with Worf and Rafi were, was heading to. And so that's what changed. do you think of the change? What do you think? Please. I think it makes sense. It does. I'm almost more excited about that than the Ferengi in the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's a continuing the Dominion, Dominion War storyline, which I didn't expect. No, not Me at either. all. And I, I, it makes sense with the little clues we've had over the course of the season. I, for one, I didn't guess it, but also it makes sense. And I love it when I don't guess it and it makes sense because <laughs> usually th- you don't get both of those things. Either I guess it or it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I thought that was a great reveal. Even when he was going through withdrawal, I thought he was going through withdrawal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You absolutely. Know? So here's, okay. Since this is basically a TNG wrap up and now they've, they've sort of like woven the, the DS nine angle into it. Are we going to get O'Brien? I don't know. I want I O'Brien. Don't know about O'Brien. And maybe maybe whatever happens in this season. I was going to say is, of of those, Kira and Bashir, I think, are the no, two no, most hang on. likely to come back. No, because whatever happens in this season, Miles is going to be the key to it, and that's how he becomes the most important person <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> that could be. Yes. <laughs> but no, I would love to see some DS9 people involved in this. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. What if that's what if there's they like built all this stuff up with the TNG cast but they're like holding back the DS9 people as the big surprise. 
That'll, the ending cliffhanger is the DS9 cast. Like, oh, there's going to be more. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, my God. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Okay, Matt Sweatman says, I have to admit, he's not saying the same thing again that he said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, while I'm excited about the changelings being the big bads, I am kind of disappointed it wasn't the conspiracy. I don't know. I'm, I'm with yeah. you, buddy. I'm totally with you. And Michael Phillips says, as soon as the saboteur got punched in the face and went all wonky, I was like, he's a no-do. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I thought that was some kind of holographic projector at first. So I, I, didn't, know, I didn't guess at first. I don't know why yeah. it didn't occur to me. Yeah. yeah it was dumb. Dumb on Even my part. In episode one, they said that they have they can have different faces or something along that those lines. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, they're wearing masks. They must have different. Uh, you yeah. Know? <laughs> it it uh, literally yeah. never occurred to any of us. Right. DS9 cool. fans. Hey, maybe it's changeling. <laughs> because we change its face. Because you're DS9 not expecting fans. DS9. We're right. used to being DS9 fans <laughs> and getting ignored. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like, it why would they bring sense. DS9 into this? Yeah. It makes sense. And I was thinking about that because, first off, I know they said it's a small faction, but let's face it, the, at the end of the day, the founders still are extremely xenophobic, ex- extremely superior. And I tend right. to think if this faction shows anything approaching success, I bet Oda would be ousted and they would go right back to starting another war. And I got to believe at some point in time, the Dominion is going to find a cure for the virus that, spoilers, folks, for the virus that Section 31 created. So I don't think you can yeah. count on that forever either. So right. I could definitely well, see them rising again as a threat. They, they, they may already have. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. why they're they may not out just there. know about it yet. Yeah. yeah. That'll so they, be, they've that'll got be these- the. No, I'm pretty sure. So. I, I didn't. I thought. Okay, I, I was gonna say they've got these guys in masks. Do they have any Vorta? Do they have any Jim Hadar? Do they have a Jeffrey Combs? Ooh, I hope Jeffrey oh, Combs wow. is back. A, oh my a god! Really old Wayun still working for him. <laughs> there better be a Wayun. Wayun fifteen. Wayun fifteen, but he's been the Wayun for <laughs> right. the last twenty five years. Right. <laughs> Oh, Matt Sweatman. He says he thinks the season's going to end with the reveal that it's all a holodeck recreation. <laughs> and Archer is oh watching them, and he's Archer finally got his revenge. <laughs> Wouldn't that be poetic justice? <laughs> Holy smokes, that will be amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> so how do we think they're getting out of this predicament they find themselves in? They're sinking into this anomaly. Dude. Dude. See, my my thought is, because they already it's already a weird anomaly with weird biological properties. So it's some kind of creature, some kind of anomaly yep. creature. And yep. then Jack was having those weird, weird vision right. with connect the branches. Right. There's some kind of consciousness. You know, that's, that's, that's exactly. my guess is that exactly. this thing is going to spit him out or something. Right. That, that whole thing where he's like slipping out of consciousness and he's seeing that, that stylized image of seven. And that was so David Lynch. I was like, <laughs> right. what in the hell is going on here? <laughs> right. Holy smokes, that was really, really creepy. With I the, was the very big, confused about that. The big that red scene. door that just opened. Yeah, I'm like, what is going on? I yeah, like, Bronco, that, you were already cool. yeah, you Bronco, you were already struggling to stay awake. So I imagine you're like, What? I don't <laughs> my brain's not making sense of this <laughs> we, anymore. We did. Well, see, that was part of the part where I had fallen asleep and then I woke up right at the end when um Worf and Rafi were doing their little thing on so i got spoiled for that and then i went we went back and watched the last like 15 minutes yeah. i slept through you dozed and i nudged you and you woke up and it was like it's a changeling and you're like what am i what's going on what did i miss <laughs> wow 
So this was a long episode, 56 minutes. So usually um, I, I watch on Thursday, I watch on my lunch break because I'm, I've started coming in early. So now I get to take an hour lunch break. So then that, that's like 45 minutes. And then I have 15 minutes to like put the news together for tonight's show or whatever. Today, 56 minutes, I clocked in one minute late from my lunch break. <laughs> Because it was like wow. it was getting, I was like watching my watch, and I'm like, "Holy, sm- I'm out of time! How much longer is this episode gonna go?" I had that but, thought. Did you message me? I was watching on my lunch break, and I was like, "I hope you have a long lunch break." <laughs> Usually, I only got half an hour, so I, you know, I could never have yeah. done this. But I, mean, I swear to God, when the episode finished, I was on this like adrenaline high. Like I, I just felt Three. like my, my whole body felt tingly for like the next hour yep. after I watched it. Yeah, oh this, this is hands down my favorite episode of Star Trek Picard. 100%. And I'd say yeah. since the, the CBS All Access and Paramount Plus, it's in my top five. It's got to be along with like Memento Mori and Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's to call. It's right up there with those. I think I thought this was great. I, I do, too. I think this is definitely top tier of the Paramount Plus era of, mm-hmm. of Star Trek. And and right. definitely the best episode. And there's been a few that I really liked, you know, like um like Nepenthe in, in season one. Mm-hmm. I loved. And I think it was episode two of, of last season where they're fully in the alternate mm-hmm. reality. I loved. Right. Um, but this one is was just I mean, it was that good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. tie, they're doing a great job. We, we talked about before, they sort of reboot Picard every season. And they <laughs> yeah. sort of ditch storylines, they ditch characters. Yeah. But they've done a great job this season of weaving in stuff like the the Romulan supernova crisis and yeah, um, you know these various elements. Picard's father from last season, you know yeah. the fact that you know uh, Riker's son would be about the same age as Picard's son, mm-hmm. and just w- these different things weaving it all into this season to make it feel more like a cohesive show to me. Yes, yeah, Charles, we we mentioned that earlier. You're right because we were talking about how. The stuff in Picard season two, which a lot of us didn't like with the whole, you know, his emotional baggage and his childhood, mm-hmm. it's actually bearing fruit because the way they can mm-hmm. kind of put it into his, like his heartbreak of, you know, when Beverly said, basically, all you ever told me is you didn't want to be like your father. And he was like, how dare you yeah. take that and make that decision for me? I know I wouldn't have been like my father. And maybe I, w- and I would have known that 20 years ago had you not hidden my son from me. And right. so that, that, was, that bear fruit. That was possibly the best line Patrick Stewart has ever delivered in Star Trek. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, there yeah. were some moments in first contact that were on that level, but, but that mm-hmm. one would just grabbed me by the throat. Yeah, yeah. My, my initial big takeaway this morning was, is that they all felt like themselves, but 22 yes. years on, because a lot yeah. sometimes you get, you know, actors coming back to a role after all these years and either they don't quite have it anymore. They don't quite yeah. have the character anymore. They're not being written quite, you know, it just doesn't, you just don't mm-hmm. feel it. But I, yeah. I really felt like it was Riker and it was Crusher and it was Worf and it was Picard. And I've yeah. been watching Picard for three seasons and I haven't always felt like it's Picard, you Absolutely. know, but Absolutely. he felt like Picard. It was those pure characters. It was Riker. It was Picard. It was Worf. It was Marina Sirtis. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. You can't win them all, but she, she no, hasn't I know. really been... But, on yet but that was uh, well, that was still a great scene and i really yeah. loved her in it um mm-hmm. let's see um about matt sweatman's comment about the holodeck recreation eric watt says matt sweatman may be on to something we still don't know how moriarty fits into all of this exactly or lore yeah. not that that has anything to do with holodeck recreations but there's yeah. still a lot of stuff that's got to be like taken care of in the next seven how many episodes. how many episodes there's only seven more episodes yeah, yeah. Only- yeah, like I think lore is what they got from Daystrom. 
Mm-hmm. I think so too. And oh, I no, think because they didn't have Lord Daystrom, they had um, uh, right. But this B, is like a Daystrom before. station, right? But we don't know what all they had there. I mean, and it's been twenty years. Who knows? He could have ended up there somehow. Well, right. it makes and more I, sense there than Charles and in the original in the and remember in the and whatever episode of TNG they literally could just kick with Lore in the space and he was just floating in space. Just so. leave him. Yeah, <laughs> he was literally picked up by Packleds. <laughs> <laughs> That means he can come back in lower decks. Right. Uh, they also Michael, they, they keep sorry. Michael Phillips says, I think there's definitely something more to Jack's hallucination than just a oh a, 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 clearly mm-hmm. it has some deeper meaning. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's an attempt by that nebula creature to communicate. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, cle- oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm kind of encouraged they keep mentioning. Picard's synthetic nature. Yeah. They keep yeah. dropping little mentions, but I'm hoping that's going to tie into the story. I, think I would love for that to be part of it and there'd be a reason for it. Yes. So I was kind of th- my, my head, my, my nerd theory is that lore was the weapon they got from Daystrom and mm. that lore wants Picard's synthetic body, like the technology of it. And that's why they're after Picard. That's my little theory. And maybe, maybe it won't pan out, but that's, yeah. that's not bad though. Yeah, I like. Yeah, it. but why would the changelings steal lore? I don't and know. Then help lore get. Maybe they need lore. The Borg needs them <laughs> at one point. <laughs> so, Veronica, you had a theory that this was not Will Riker, but in fact Thomas Riker. Yes. Are you still on that on that train? No. Okay. <laughs> what was your? Didn't you have another crazy theory? What was your other crazy theory? Oh gosh. Um, oh I don't well. Remember. That's fine. <laughs> there was uh, a. I'm sorry. There's a line that Jonathan Frake said to uh, Jack that I love, but he basically said, "Kids, I watched two decades of you be. Uh, I, I spent two decades watching you get cooked up." Yeah, and I just thought that was a great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. That was such a but great I, line. My thought was like, you know how many fans are going to take that literally and think that he was a science experiment on the Enterprise for 20 <laughs> yeah. years? Have you ever met Trekkies? Come on. Yeah. Right. Now I got to deal with this for the next rest of my life. <laughs> right. Um, a while back, we had an unnamed Facebook user said, well, hello, Dorothy. No idea what that means, but I think the same person has responded to a couple of other comments. And that is okay. uh, Matt Sweatman says, is lore more dangerous than a portal weapon? We don't know. I, I would say yes. It's like yeah. I mean, evil data. Just because right. he has his own mind and his own intelligence, possibly. Yeah, right. Michael Good Phillips point. says, oh, lore is definitely the other thing stolen from Daystrom. I'd bet money. And the unnamed Facebook user says, I'd say so. So I think there's agreement yeah. on on Charles theory about yeah. uh, that. That's the that's the thing behind everything. Now, I saw someone <laughs> online suggest that maybe it was peanut hamper that they got from Daystrom. Yes. <laughs> I would also be OK with. I would 100% be okay with that. Holy I would 100% geez. not be okay That's with that. funny. Oh. That was unless, funny. Unless they also got the Jeffrey Holmes the, yeah. with it. I, I mean, if, it was, if it was both of them I'd be, okay together, with that. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, right. Real quick for me, there were two There were two other lines that stood out for me and I made note of. One of them was the funny line because Worf said something that I thought about. I think we probably all thought about in every movie we've ever watched. Worf told Rothy, that hood really is conspicuous. Oh yeah. Uh, how many movies have we seen, fantasy, Star Wars, or anything, where somebody walks around with a hood over them? And I'm like, unless everybody in the city is wearing a hood, you really stand out. It's not like they even need to see your face. Like, hey, what's that dude or woman got a hood over their head? <laughs> and right. the other thing, back into that conversation with Picard and Beverly, 
um, is when she said something like, Jean-Luc, we were on our fifth breakup. And I thought that was just kind of wild. And then she said, we ended our relationship. And he got angry and said, we ended our romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Not the same thing. And I wow, that like you said earlier, Alan, that was such a real scene. And I didn't realize yeah. it went on for five minutes, but it was good. Yeah. Man, it was good. Yeah. I, I told I, before y'all while y'all were in limbo, I was saying that I the second time I watched it, I timed those scenes, and that first scene with Jean Luc and Beverly was a full five minutes, and then it cut away to the bridge, and then came back to them with another ninety seconds. Wow, so that's a lot of yeah. screen time to devote to, yeah. but it was so good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I love that they've got them on, and they're giving them great material. Yes. Yes. You know. I mean, I mean, that's like that's the best damn material that Gates ever got from in maybe, seven years. Yeah. I mean, if you don't count the 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 candle ghost, this is the best <laughs> thing that she's ever gotten on the show. Mm. Yeah, you know, what I find interesting, right. Alan. Following on that is one of my favorite episodes of the original of a TNG is the episode called Attached. Yeah, and it's the one where Picard and Beverly are on this planet, and they are. They've been bound where that with that kind of device where you can't walk too far from each other, you'll die. Mm-hmm. And then incredibly conveniently, device has the the side effect of allowing them to hear each other's thoughts. And that was right. that was a that was an honest show. That was the show where they finally voiced the fact that he had been in love for her for so long and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I think this is her best work since that because that was a very good dramatic show, and she just didn't get stuff like that very mm-hmm. much. And it wasn't just that scene though. Like she got a lot of really good doctoring scenes. Yes, mm-hmm. and and she thought, even like had that little like conflict with the ship's doctor, uh, you know, yeah. Doctor Doctor Trill, who was like, "Get out of my way! You don't know squat. You've been gone for twenty years." And and she's all like, "You better back up, because I'm Doctor Crusher." And, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> She'll yeah. teach you how to make a splint. <laughs> right. <laughs> We may have to go back and amend our doctor's episode. Uh, I, I, I thought about that watching the episode. That she's doing some great doctoring in this. Yes, I and she's showing this doctor thing. a thing or two. Right. Absolutely. I thought exactly the same thing. I was like, mm, yeah. I guess that put us in our place. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, she did grow up on kind of a. She did grow up on what a Scottish planet, and then she was head of Starfleet Medical, so she knows everything yeah. from herbs yeah. to uh, medical bays. That's true. That's true. And she, I mean, she was the chief medical officer on the Enterprise for 15 years. Well, yeah. 14. But yeah. um, I mean, that's a, a tremendous amount of experience. I don't care that they have new scanners now 20 years later. You know? Exactly. But Come also, on. she's not been on ice this whole time. She's been out there doctoring. Yeah. She may not have state-of-the-art equipment. But come on. You, you don't need an extra set of hands in the sick bay during a battle? Come on. I know. That was – okay. And Matt Swipman comments on that. I thought Dr. Trill was made to seem incompetent. Well, there's a lot on the show of people giving like Jack dirty looks. Like, I think everybody knows, like, we're in this because of you people. There's a, a little bit of a resentment there. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That I guess they're going to overcome as the season as the season goes on. But I think I'll they're going to have to. Or all the, all I'll those admit, are going to get killed off. <laughs> sorry, I admit I did chuckle because you're right. My God, the Starfleet crew is literally rolling their eyes at Jack. I did chuckle a couple of times. Like, you're Starfleet. You're not supposed to act like that. They were. Yeah, but he's like. At him. Punching security guards and stuff. So I, uh, I security that. guard. We didn't talk about that yet, but why why is every except for maybe Wharf and maybe Tasha, why is every Starfleet security <laughs> person just stupid? I mean, I, I come on. I mean, yes, I have to get out of that that cell somehow, but geez, come on. You know right. he's about to hit you. 
You effing know that. Well, I thought like, it was funny, Alan, too, to your point to your point about that was everybody who visited her cell, and really she shouldn't have any visitors. Every time somebody visited her cell, he would come to some seven would hold up her hand. And he's like, okay. And he just let him in there. For all he knows, they could have been bringing her a phaser or something I like know. that. So I she's, not a, she's not a prisoner. She's the first no. officer of the ship who's on you know what I mean? It'd be like if Riker was in this cabin, the security mm-hmm. guard would be like, okay, yeah, you can talk to him. Mm-hmm. But I, I, my thought was just like, if you ever find yourself being guarded by like a Marine, don't try to sucker punch him and run for it. It's not, it's not going to work like it does on Star yeah. Trek. This is true. <laughs> this is true, oh, man. Yeah. And uh, one last thing I have to say is speaking of seven, um, how far has Jerry Ryan come from the cat suits? Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how she was introduced or why she was introduced, and I've said yeah. before, I think she, I think she dominated way too much of Voyager. But she's a really good actress, and yeah. I can't wait for Seven to get out of that room and really get much more to the thick of the plot. She belongs in Star Trek. I just, I, yeah. she's there. I believe her. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. And uh, on that point, I want to say that you know we were, I think last week we were expressing you know a little bit of regret that the people who had been main cast on Star Trek Picard for two seasons had just basically been jettisoned in favor Mm -hmm. of next gen people coming in. But I just got to say, I never really cared about any of those people all that much. I cared about them a little bit. I liked them because they were there. I love the way that Rafi and seven have been integrated into the next gen family, the way that they have been. I think that has been masterfully done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't, if they, didn't, if they hadn't left Rios back to go through World War Three, he could have been integrated to the show as well. But mm-hmm. he's back running around smoking cigars and eating peanut butter in our time. Yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, come on. It is peanut butter after all. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about Raffi Wharf for the rest of the season. <laughs> I think they're a great pairing. 100%. I'm, I guess it's Metallus who thought of that. And uh, hats off, sir. That was a stroke of genius. Mm-hmm. For a character that a lot of us were very critical of, yeah, um, and with some good reasons, uh, you know, over the course of the over the course of the show, to just and yep. not not reboot the character, she's still the character the she's character. been, yep. but just take her in a direction that just works, yep. you know, yeah. integrate the backstory and give her a storyline that we all care about. Exactly, they, you're right because now you you feel much more of her like everybody else we've ever seen in Star Trek, which is. I sacrifice everything for the service. I sacrifice mm-hmm. everything for the greater good. Yeah. My family, my son, my my husband. Yeah. And yeah. now you're right. It works more. It works this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I love when Worf's like, you have the heart of a warrior. And that, <laughs> and that she was right. And she needs to hear like, no, you were right. You, yeah. you know, this isn't just crazy stuff in your head. You're, you're, you're right on. I'm, I've, I've been on the same trail. Mm-hmm. Okay. Three last comments. Uh, Matt Sweatman says, I wondered once Riker got command, why wasn't the first thing he'd do was get seven on the bridge? I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. Cause he has Jean Lucas as number one. (laughs) That didn't work out. Well, now that, that, now that that (laughs) didn't work out, he is going to get seven. Um, Michael Phillips says people didn't care about the characters in prior seasons because they weren't well-written. The storylines were mediocre. I wish they had gotten the writing we've gotten so far this season. Agreed. Elnor is barely in this show. What? I'm sorry? Elnor has been barely in this show. Like the cast has been very underrepresented. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, And Matt concludes by saying Michelle Hurd has some wonderful things to say about working with Dorney on the ready room. Yeah. I haven't watched any ready rooms yet this season and I need to get on that. 
Yeah. yeah. And when Michael Dorn was on the Shuttlepod podcast with uh, hosted by Connor Trenier and, and Malcolm, uh, I don't know, uh, Malcolm Reed, <laughs> whatever, Dominic <laughs> Keating, like Dominic. he, um, he had a lot of great things to say about working with Michelle Hurd. That that was oh, that's awesome. That's nice. that, I, I recommend that that podcast also. Yeah. Um, this is a total aside. I wish that Will Wheaton's show had its own tab in Paramount Plus rather than each episode being a bonus for some other yeah. show so that you have to like go look around for it. I w- why can't it just be its own show? I wonder if it's like a cost contract kind of a thing. Like if it's a bonus, if it's bonus material versus being a show of its own. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But they should make it a show of its own because that would be a, a, a less expensive way to keep content coming out when they're spacing out their big budget shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's aside over. <laughs> one last one last quick thing. I know we're over an hour, but Charles, we were talking about um, Michael Dorn. I read an interview with Michael Dorn last week where he was saying that he had what he felt was almost an unusual amount of collaborative input into Worf's character and coming mm-hmm. back because they were talking about that they wanted him to be like this warrior monk. What did they want him to be? And they would they approached him and he was kind of saying, Well, I don't like this and I don't like this. And then at one point he said, Terry Vitalis and Cruz said, Well, we really think Worf should have, you know, this this white hair. And Michael <laughs> Dorn said his first thought was, Well, my ego set in. And I said, I don't want Worf to be old. And then they said, no, no, no. Think about like such and such. And then Michael Dorn said, you know, when they talked to me, I instantly thought about all those guys in the Kung Fu movies who have, you know, you know, all the masters and the villains that all have yeah. the long white hair. And he's like, I'm good with it. So that's how he pictures war. It's one of those uh, Kung Fu masters from the movies that always had long white hair, whether they're good or, or bad. I yeah. think that's kind of cool. It works for him. It, it does. does. It totally yeah. does. His look is just perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Alan, where can people find more of you? Well, you should go check out my other podcast, which is Modern Musicology. It's all about all kinds of different music topics. And we've got a lot of great interviews. We just did one. We've got three other ones coming up. One with two members of my favorite band ever. Um, And then... Uh, look for Cosmic Creative, Cosmic, K-O-Z-M-I-C, creative.com. And that's where you can find all my books and all my other podcasts. And how about you, Keith? You can find me on the standard social media outlets, Facebook, uh, primarily the ESO network groups, Instagram, and Twitter. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. And? Monkeying around a podcast about the monkeys. And do you have a closing for us this week? Um, I did, um, but someone else already <laughs> said it. So... Say it again. Who cares? Okay. Now I have to find it again. We basically because recited I the whole episode. I was trying to find a new one. <clears throat> I am Worf, son of Moog, House of Martok, son of, I don't know how to say that, Sergei, House of Rizinko, Bane of the Duras family, Slayer of Galron. I have made some chamomile tea. Do you take sugar? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. 
the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.